Ellie, thank you so much for, for joining us. I, I was trying to put things into some sort of context. For people who, let, let's start from from nothing. What is it that this Scottish bill is, is doing? What is it aiming to change? And, and what does that mean to transgender people? Well, the bill is actually a really simple one, ultimately. Uh, in, at the moment, um, trans people uh, are already able to, to change things like passports, driving licenses, all sorts of, of IDs uh, without uh, a gender recognition certificate. The one challenge is birth certificates. And so the gender recognition certificate process allows trans people like myself to be able to apply for this certificate, which essentially allows us to go and change the gender that's on a birth certificate. Now, if you think about all of the times that you use your birth certificate in your day-to-day -day life, it's not very often, mm -hmm. but it does come up at really important life events. Like if you're getting married, you want to make sure that your gender is being recorded correctly. That day should be really happy and special. You don't want that to be sort of plagued by worrying about if you're going to be recorded as a groom, for instance, instead of a bride. That would be a real shame. And also, if you pass away, you want to make sure you have dignity in death by knowing that the gender on your death certificate is going to be correct. There's also sometimes it can come up in cases of pensions, uh, depending on, on how old you are and you know, if your retirement age is, is different based on your gender. But other than that, there's very few instances where this certificate actually comes up. The problem is that the current process to get one is so difficult, it's invasive, it's convoluted, and it can be really expensive as well. So expensive, in fact, that I've not been able to, to access one myself, even though you know I'm 23, I've been out as transgender since I was 18. Uh, the problem is that it requires, under the current process, for you to get a psychiatric diagnosis uh, of, of what they really? call sort of gender, gender dysphoria. Yeah, that's right. And you have to go to, to, to see a psychiatrist and they have to diagnose you with, I think, quite a stigmatizing condition. Um, now, the problem is I've been waiting on the, the NHS waiting lists for this for nearly five years now, and I still don't know when my initial appointment is going to be, let alone the psychiatric assessment, which means if I wanted to be able to change my birth certificate, get that gender recognition certificate, I would need to pay hundreds of pounds for a private assessment. The process uh, that, that Scotland has just passed uh, and that I hope will be implemented uh, removes that requirement for a psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, it also makes the waiting times slightly shorter and it just makes the whole process a lot easier and, and, and less stigmatising uh, for trans people like me. Now, one of the things that I said before, you know, when the, there is a lot of press hysteria about this, and one of the things that will pop up, if you mention transgender or gender recognition, the first thing people will start screaming about are dressing rooms, changing rooms, and uh, restrooms and what have you. Um, but what is the reality uh, uh, around that? Well, the reality is that actually this bill does nothing to change uh, things like single sex spaces. All of that is covered by uh, what's called the Equality Act 2010. Uh, that relates to you know a variety of of different protected characteristics, including um, you know if you are transgender, uh, and that means that you know uh, trans people, whether you've got a gender recognition certificate or not, are able to access single sex spaces that align with the gender that uh, that we we 
you know, are that we identify with um, rather than the gender that we were assigned at birth. Um, the, having a gender recognition certificate doesn't change that for a very simple reason. No one asks you to present your birth certificate before you enter a changing room, a toilet, etc. I think it would be a really worrying situation for everyone, not just trans people, if that were the case. Yeah. Um, so I think there's been a lot of, of misinformation, I have to say, about this bill and what it's going to do, what it's not going to do, uh, because actually single sex spaces really aren't covered at all. And as I said before, it, it, I mean, Scotland would be joining uh, many, many other countries because that's something that I was surprised about because of all of the, a lot of the coverage around this um, makes it sound like Scotland, some breakout, different, weird country. But in actual fact, it's been done in many, many, many other countries um, without any problems at all. We're also talking about a relatively small number uh, uh, of the population, aren't we? Well, absolutely. And, and I think this point around, you know, the other countries that have already, in fact, when you look at the bill that's been passed in Scotland, it's far from world leading. Um, I, I think there are many ways which I would have actually liked the bill to have gone a lot further because I don't think it actually changes the process enough uh, to make it easier. What, for, what, what, for Ellie, let me jump in there. What, what would you have liked to have seen then if you had your wish list? If you, if you, if it, yeah. you know, you say you'd like to have seen it gone a lot further. In what ways? Well, well, first of all, there are a lot of uh, people who are transgender, but whose gender isn't necessarily strictly male or female, uh, so, so non-binary people. Right. Um, a lot of countries around the world, uh, when they've updated their gender recognition processes, they have allowed non-binary people to be able to legally change their gender to non-binary. Uh, the Scottish process right. doesn't do that. Other countries around the world as well, and I think this is a really difficult uh, subject to talk about when we're talking about you know, young people and children, but I think when you consider that some trans children uh, and, and people who might have been, you know, they might have socially transitioned at school, uh, you know, maybe they, they, they were still at primary school, maybe they were at high school. Um, and I think it's really important that those children, you know, they, they need to have the support there and the guidance to make sure that they know what they're doing. But I think it is important that those kids are able to change their legal gender as well, so that if they're going to college or university, for instance, they can make sure that, you know, if they do need to show their birth certificate, for instance, the form of ID, that they're able to do that without being outed. And the process in Scotland, it allows uh, now young people from 16 to be able to, to update their legal gender. But I think they could have gone a lot further to have allowed children and, and young people below 16 so, to have so, been able so to. So you think they could have been, and, and it's important that we just stress, we're talking about social um you know you know changing their their gender you know socially but you think 16 isn't young enough i mean how how much younger would you go because you know to to allow a, a child to be able to do that and would that you'd also surely need to build in some sort of legislation that if a child under 16 or even if a child of 16 did do that that they could they then if if they changed their minds if they did um, which happens occasionally, that they could change it back. Well, absolutely. I, I think that is important. You know, I think when we're talking about a process like legally changing uh, your gender, you know, it's not something that people do willy-nilly. It's not something that I think that if, if younger people under 16 were able to do that, 
I think that it's really important that process would have the support and the advice built into it. And it's not something that, you know, someone would, would wake up one day, say, mom, dad, I want to change my legal gender um, and be able to just do that straight away. What it's about is for those kids who have been out, they're at school, you know, they're going to school as their true selves. And actually, in a lot of those cases, you know, if there's someone who's transitioned at primary school, they might be going to a new high school, no one knows that they're trans, but then all of a sudden, you know, they're applying to college, they're applying to university, they're having to, to present, you know, identity documents that don't match who they've been for almost their entire lives then I think that presents problems. And I think it is important to say that, that, you know, we are just talking about a legal process here. We're talking about changing a word on a piece of paper. I think it's really important that, you know, like I say, you're not doing that willy-nilly. There's a lot of thought and things like that put, put into it. But if you do change your mind later down the line, the world won't end. You know, we're not talking about medical procedures or anything like that here. That's completely No, no, separate. we're talking about, yeah. Different conversation. Right, and we're talking we're about, but th th there's... Absolutely. There's also there's also the added thing that uh, 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 amongst all of this, and we're talking about changing, as you said, uh, um, and you know some words on a piece of paper, but there's also a name change as well. Often it accompanies a name change as well, so it's still fairly complicated, isn't it? Well, actually, I think in some ways, yes, in other ways, no, because you don't need to be able to go down this whole gender recognition process to change your name legally. Um, you can do that with a simple deed our statutory declaration actually under the new process in Scotland, changing your legal gender would be a statutory declaration similar to changing your legal name. So right now, actually, you know, and if we take the example of, of young people, they can already change their legal name. Um, so it would mean that they might be in a situation where their legal name matches their gender, but their legal gender doesn't. And I think, again, that presents wow. a real challenge. And again, coming back to, I just want to finish up with the, the way that this is, is reported. There is a lot of inflammatory reporting uh, around all of this. Um, and and if, there, if Rishi Sunak does get involved, it's, it's not just about this gender recognition bill. It's also about uh, the rest of the UK, if you like, interfering with the decision that Scotland's made. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there are different ways that Rishi Sunak might uh, interfere with this bill. I mean, if he goes down the route of, of taking advantage of the, the sort of provisions under the Scotland Act, I mean, that in the, the history of devolution in Scotland, which has been in place you know, longer than I've been alive, that's never been used before. And I think that when you look at you know, and I won't make any comment either way, but if you if you look at the arguments around Scottish independence and you look at the democratic deficits uh, that a lot of people in Scotland aren't happy with uh, because of the, 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 you know, the idea that the UK government ultimately uh, you know, can come in and change things that the people in Scotland have voted for, then I think that for Rishi Sunak, who's self-titled as you know, Minister for the Union, I think that would be a really bizarre political strategy to, to go down and I'm not entirely sure what his end goal is here. Yeah, it would be a slippery slope, wouldn't it, as well? And as we saw with pictures earlier, at the moment, he and Nicola Sturgeon seem to be getting on. Um, so maybe he will respect that. But uh, for, for you, do you see this as uh, this bill as, uh, you know, it's still got to get through? But uh, do you see it as a really important first step? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, when you look as well at the journey that this bill has gone through, it was about six years ago, in fact, that all five of the leaders of the Scottish political parties in, in the Scottish Parliament committed to these reforms, including the Conservative Party. Um, now, it's been nice. years after that. There's been tons of consultations and tons of conversations. It's finally passed. Like I say, I think there's more work to be done. It doesn't quite go far enough. I think there's other work to be done as well around things like trans health care, uh, which is woefully inadequate at the moment. But I think this does mark real progress for trans people in Scotland. Uh, and I really hope that we can move forward. And I think you know, in terms of Rishi Sunak and the, the Westminster government, I think not only should they not be blocking this legislation, but they should be, be copying it. I think they should be taking a leaf out of the Scottish Parliament's book. Uh, Mark Drakeford, the First Minister for Wales, has already uh, you know, said that, that you know, if Wales had the power to do so, he would like to see something similar to what we've just passed in Scotland. And I think that Rishi Sunak should be doing the same. Thank you so much, Ellie. Uh, Ellie Gomesall, there, president of the uh, National Union of Students.